Intolerance to uncertainty is a person's tendency to experience negative emotions, behaviors, and cognitions when confronted with uncertain situations and events. Well, let me break it down for you. We all have this, right? To some extent, we don't all love things to be completely uncertain. The most common emotion that people with and without autism have around uncertainty is anxiety. Most of us try to manage it pretty well. But for people with autism, this can be a major problem. This isn't like just getting upset or feeling a little bit of panicky or having a mild emotional response. For people with autism, sometimes it can be a full-out freak-out meltdown unless every single step is carefully explained ahead of time. Instead of being a reaction, it's actually a trait. For parents, and let me tell you, I know this firsthand, it can be exhausting. Every morning I go through the same list of what's going to happen, and if anything changes, help us all. The hesitation towards change isn't necessarily always linked to intolerance to uncertainty. Sometimes it's insistence on sameness. But people with autism need to feel a bit like he or she knows what to expect at every minute. Every step that will be taken from when we're leaving for school, what route we'll take, and what time she'll be picked up needs to be explained ahead of time. Again, a lot of us are comforted by knowing what's coming next. But for others, the response when there's something unexpected becomes pathological. And if people with autism like my daughter experience something unexpected, oh boy, it's like her whole world is over and it's heartbreaking to watch and probably incredibly painful to experience. So there's a measure that actually quantifies this trait and it's called the intolerance to uncertainty score. It can be completed from the perspective of a child or a parent, although the child has to be able to read and comprehend questions for them to fill it out. So there's that. The questions are things like, A small, unforeseen event can spoil everything, even with the best of planning. I can't stand being taken by surprise. Or I always try to think ahead to avoid surprises. And I always want to know what the future has in store for me. And they are rated on a scale. And because I'm sure everyone has some of these feelings to some degree, people score on a continuum. Or maybe that's just a parent of someone with autism talking. But again, talk to someone with an anxiety disorder. Their scores on this are pretty high too. It really is linked to anxiety. So as long as we're talking about anxiety, previous studies have looked at how this trait is linked to autism through anxiety. However, a recent study out of the Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore looked at intolerance to uncertainty, anxiety, and autism in 10-year-old kids with a normal to high IQ. Consistent with previous research, they found that kids with autism have increased scores of intolerance to uncertainty compared to those who are typically developing or don't have autism or a known psychiatric disorder. And this was true even if the child or the parent did the rating. Also, importantly, it was replicated that there's a positive relationship between intolerance to uncertainty and anxiety. As intolerance to uncertainty goes up, so does anxiety, and that's expected. And this is seen in both kids with autism and those who don't have an autism diagnosis. But what this study did this time that others had not done in the past was to look at intolerance to anxiety and autism outside the effects of anxiety. If intolerance to uncertainty is associated with anxiety and people with autism show higher than normal levels of anxiety, well, there's your link. So taking out the effects of anxiety, what was the effect of intolerance to uncertainty on autism symptoms? They found that intolerance to uncertainty was predictive of sensory sensitivities regardless of measured anxiety. They also found that intolerance to uncertainty was associated with a yes or no diagnosis of autism and also 
autism symptoms and features. That is, having an autism diagnosis was predictive of elevated intolerance to uncertainty. So was elevated levels of restricted repetitive behavior and disturbed social communication abilities, as well as the presence of emotional dysregulation. That last part may be obvious. Having more social communication deficits, repetitive behaviors, and emotional dysregulation in people with autism increases the risk for intolerance to uncertainty. But if you had to pick one, it was really emotional dysregulation that was probably the biggest predictor of intolerance to uncertainty. So this study does have important clinical implications. It's not exactly just all about understanding intolerance to uncertainty. There was a direct relationship between intolerance to uncertainty and features of autism. Some researchers have found that intolerance to uncertainty changed the effectiveness of cognitive behavioral therapy for anxiety. And since cognitive behavioral therapy is one of those things that has been shown to reduce anxiety in people with autism, this is probably important to note. Also of importance, this may be a separate treatment target that could change emotional and behavioral disorders experienced by people with autism. So all of this can be exhausting for parents, but also autism support staff. Not just of the cognitively able 10-year-olds who were studied in this project, but people who are minimally verbal exhibit self-injurious behavior. And in some occasions, the professionals find themselves exposed to self-damaging and violent behaviors of the people they work with. People who are minimally verbal and can't communicate tend to be the ones most likely to exhibit these severe behaviors. And breaking with daily routines again, intolerance to uncertainty, surprises where you don't want them, they exacerbate these behaviors. Keeping to a routine and making sure the individual knows what to expect from moment to moment, day to day, is key and part of a support staff's main efforts. The support staff tries to reduce the demands of people with autism and tries to block some of the behaviors like self-injurious behavior, but also allow other behaviors to continue without hurting anyone like flapping or spinning. They have to do all this without intruding on the personal space of the person and avoiding loud noises and other sensory triggers. Finally, the support staff has to continually use clear and simple language. All of these things together may make the support staff feel isolated, lonely, and quickly burn out. Now, this affects not only their quality of life, but down the road, the services they provide. Support staff and caregivers that are not family members have their own stressors, and it seems to me that they are incredibly important people in the community, and we have to start doing a better job of making sure that they're happy, or at least not miserable, in their jobs. Caregivers that are related and spend 24-7 with their autistic family member, they have their own challenges. But truthfully, there's been more research on making sure there are supports in place to help them than those who are paid. There really is a lack of research on what paid support staff need, besides, of course, a living wage and access to insurance. What do you think? Am I right? If scientists were able to better understand the factors that prevent burnout or other things that increase psychological well-being and support staff more... They could provide the support staff, and I understand the irony of this, services and help them provide better care to individuals with autism. It's unlikely that the salaries of people who are providing support are going to be tripled and quadrupled to what they deserve. So let's just think about ways to improve psychological well-being in these people. Specifically, does burnout contribute to psychological well-being and support staff? So the results of a data-driven study looking at a variety of psychological measures in support staff of people with autism showed that fostering positive psychological skills, self-efficiency, optimism, and hope, and the value of positive moments in daily life should result in lower burnout, which 
in turn should lead to higher degrees of positive well-being and direct support staff of specialist autism services. This is a theoretical model developed from data. It's not an intervention study, but it's a start. Positive psychological capacities are the resources from which one can draw, and it seems to be an important theoretical explanation of the mechanism by which such positive capacities affect positive well-being. The higher your psychological capital, that is, and these are the psychological skills that help you value daily life, perseverate, be optimistic, and judge yourself to be capable of being a good person, these things give resilience to burnout. This resilience to burnout, in turn, improves psychological well-being on the job. Their theory is, instead of reducing the negative of burnout, build up the positive of psychological capital. Because when burnout and distress come, people draw on their psychological capital to pull them through. Job interventions that can do this can be used to reduce the effects of burnout. The authors suggest something like a well-being office. And I have to say, I'm sure lots of offices could use a well-being office, but this is one that has a direct impact on public health. Not for nothing, but sometimes a decent paycheck with good benefits can also help. Thank you for listening this week, and I'll talk to you next week.